Welcome to a special edition of the What's Your Revolution show. Today, I am in Oakland, California, and I am partnering with the Prevention Institute, the Movember Foundation, and members of the Making Connections teams from across the country to have a candid conversation about masculinity in context. Making Connections for Mental Health and Well-Being Among Men and Boys is a national initiative to transform community conditions that influence mental well-being. Populations of focus include men and boys of color, veterans, military members, and their families. 16 coalitions in rural, urban, and suburban locations across the U.S. are activating strategies to improve conditions that can affect the well-being of men, boys, and their families, including social connections, economic and educational opportunities and assets, and improvements in the physical environment. Today, I am happy to be joined by members from several sites across the country. Joining me today, Kevin Fowler from Hawaii. Aloha. How you doing, brother? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Tomas Madrigal. Hello. From Tacoma. How you doing, Tomas? Good. Good. And Yusuf Ali. How you doing today? Hey, brother. What's going on? Oh, good to be here. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And in the background, uh, but giving us great support, um, is Craig Martin. Craig Martin is the Director of Mental Health and Well-Being for the Movember Foundation. And we thank you for all the support that you're giving us to be a part of this program. Thank you so much. So, guys, let me ask you the pivotal question that I ask all of my guests. What's your revolution? Tomas? We're looking to build social solidarity economies. And uh, we're movement leadership. We're building um, people-led, place-led work that's uh, networked in a regional national and international level and so some of that bleeds into the work that we do at making connections tell us a little bit about that work just a little bit just to go unpack it for me well uh it's a it's an international network of uh, movement organizations that are advancing environmental justice work mostly um but everything in between the the work that we do in particular is around food justice okay good and so that's really shaped the uh way that we approach the work that we're doing in tacoma supporting um hilltop urban gardens for example they Wonderful. went from maybe three years ago producing a couple thousand pounds of food to a year ago producing a, a ton and this year they're they're on the record for producing about two tons of food wow. that they're redistributing nice. into their community through three avenues. There's a kind of a marketplace that's available to the neighborhood. And um, you either provide talent, you provide uh, trade, or you provide your labor, mm, right? Right. And so recreating the different relationship within the community so that the community is able to provide those basic needs such as housing, food, and uh, employment uh, is one of the pivotal aspects that we look at. Right. That um, sounds like a huge revolution, brother. <laughs> Kevin, what's your revolution? I try to break down revolution in Latin. I believe it's, it's revolucio, and it's a turnaround. Right, exactly. Right? And the root word, I believe, would be evolve. That has the word love backwards. Yes. And re is to do again, so to love again and again. Wow. So our revolution, I believe, is for, for the people to love the young men and boys of our space in Kalihi Valley, 
I like to start off everywhere I go and represent three names. My name is Edward Kevin Barbosa Faller. The name of my home is Lokban Keson, Evo Beach, and Kalihi. And the name of an ancestor that I would like to summon in this space would be my father, um, Eduardo, who, when we're talking about men and boys' mental health, that's my biggest role model. I bring him into this space, so thank you. Wonderful, and we accept him into this space. I appreciate it, brother. Yusuf, what's your revolution? I want to thank you, Kevin, also. I appreciate you sharing that. Just really sets the tone for what I was thinking about also. Outside of work, I think my work really is driven by my personal passion, and my personal passion really connects a lot to my revolution. And it's really just looking at the changes that's been happening generationally in my community. Uh, so out of Boston, um, specifically, you know, people think of Boston, there is a specific image that people think of. It's not necessarily relating to the communities and the experiences that I've had just um, from generation to generation. Um, not too different from a lot of the experiences that other men have had, but for me, I come from my father who has uh, over his lifetime just struggled with a lot of addiction, mm -hmm. um, spent half of my life in prison, and at a very early age just realizing that there's an opportunity to follow those same steps or to look at other opportunities to change that and find opportunities for resources, whether it's education, whether it's different ways to connect with friends and family that I can find other ways to not go in that direction. So outside of just myself, I take that work into what I do every day. So I work with a lot of fathers. Uh, we, we look at a lot of social connections. We try to find to ways to have communications. We look at finances. We look at housing. We look at mental health. But more specifically, it's just to see, you know, how are, how are you doing? What are the things that are going on in your life that when these things happen, how do we respond to them? And just to share. So like my grandmother had passed away last week. Sorry to hear that. A lot of the members of my family just traditionally go towards alcohol, mm. towards smoking, out, just out of a natural way, just to cope, just to feel better. And not, not to say that that's, I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but I know to be able to be in the space where for me, my natural reaction was, I just want to go and work out. It's a big change because a couple of years ago, I would have been right there with them. Right. So that's something that I'm really focused on. Right. And so you've been able to have your own personal revolution and been able to then globalize it. Yes. Uh, you yes. know, and so there's a hashtag out there. You good man. Have you heard about that? I haven't heard of it. Yeah. I need to look it yeah, up. Though. Hashtag you good man. And it's really about mental health and well-being for uh, boys and men of color. Uh, there's a brother out of Philly. His name is uh, Phil Quadify and really came up with that hashtag, you good man, and it's really that check-in, you know, that we need to have when it comes to, you know, issues that may happen, trauma that happens on a daily basis, uh, particularly in our communities, and asking that question, you good man, and then hopefully getting the answer that we need, that vulnerable answer that we need to say, you know what, maybe I'm not good, and mm -hmm. I need that help. And so think about that, look for it on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and Facebook, you good man. So let's jump into the conversation, and I appreciate all of your answers. When you think of masculinities, and I say that because we get stuck in this very traditional boxy type of what masculinity should be, and as a researcher and scholar, I think of masculinities as this fluid space. Manhood, how does that show up in your individual communities, right? When, you, when I think of masculinity, what does it look like in Hawaii, Kevin? Masculinity, one, it's economic. 
you are masculine and a proper man if you do bring home the bread. Okay. Also, it's it's very aggressive. And what we're trying to do in Hawaii, what we're we're trying to reframe and respect. And when we say respect, respect is just spectacles for to see. So when we re-see masculinity, um, we're trying to say that it's okay to cry. It's okay to say, hey, yo, I love you. Right. Hey, um, I'm, I'm having problems right now, and that is masculine. Right. So in Hawaii, we have a, a youth bike program. Mm-hmm. We do basically refurbishing used bicycles, and with the vehicle of having bicycles, that is a, a metaphor for us to do mental health work. Exactly. And I want you to hold on to that story because th- that piece is so critical to the work of the Making Connections work, and I want you to tell that full story. Tomas, how, what does it look like for masculinity to show? How does it show up in, in Tacoma, you know, and, and really why there is a necessity for the work there? Well, at the bottom line, the way that we experience masculinity is around power, mm, right? Tell uh, the story. Power over. And uh, for the communities that I work with, right, uh, a lot of them are trained in this idea of power over other things, and so they, they buy into that oppression, but many times they're not the ones that are on top mm. in that structure, like white supremacy right. or uh, even economic power over. And so the approach that we do as a preventative model is building power. Since the problem is about power and how power is hierarchical, we, we seek to build a transparent and non-vertical way of relating with each other, uh, building on the strengths that are already there, the types of relationships that they have to their family members, to their neighbors, to their pastors. Those kind of things we see as community resiliency right, factors right. that are able to flip the way that power is structured. And even the most minute interventions, such as the ma- male involvement program that works with middle school-aged youth under the Tacoma Urban League um, and the Tacoma Public Schools, they have in-school session. And, and so they talked about, y'all know about the Dirty Dozens, right? Yeah. And so uh, John flipped that. Instead of doing uh, put-downs, you're going to lift up your, your, exactly. your comrades. I love that. And they went around. And they, at first, they were confused. But then they you know, started being right. more intense. And then the story that really illustrates that flip of power is that after their session, John found a little boy crying outside of his classroom. And he's like, well, what's wrong? What, what happened? And he's like, oh, I'm just really frustrated. That guy's out to get me. He really wants me to fight him. I, I, I Usually I would just punch him. But because I was in the male involvement program, I had to think about it. And wow. so I, I, I'm out here like letting Trying it out. Trying to process it. <laughs> right. And so even that minute amount of attention that allows you to think about power in a different way really builds that agency that youth have. And so our different interventions, they look different, but really the bottom line that they're getting at is to restructure the way that we have a relationship with power. Right, and I love that. I love that as you you really illuminate and pinpoint that masculinity and power have that that, um, concomitant bond with each other. And also illuminated that oftentimes men think that, that pow- the power that they have, it's actually secondary power because the primary power 
they haven't ascended to, they can't ascend to. And so how do we have dominance over other community members? How do we have dominance over women in our communities? How do we have dominance over other marginalized populations? How do we oppress them? Because it shows our power. But what you all are doing seems like is having these conversations and shifting what power looks like. Is that correct? Correct. Wonderful. Yusuf, brother. What does it look like in Boston? You know, I think about going to um, Roxbury. Roxbury, yeah. yeah That's yeah. actually one of our focus areas right. where, we're, where we're at a lot. It's what does it look like? <clears throat> variety, honestly. I could say it's, as far as a struggle, I would say that. Not in a bad way. A lot of times people hear struggle and, mm -hmm. and it's already, it's a negative thought. This is a struggle of just accountability. That's typically when I hear a lot of guys that are, it's, uh, we're usually having places where we meet at a place of frustration, where there's something that's not necessarily going right or things that are expectations that didn't happen. And it's a variety of education background, variety of working. So it's not a demographic or population necessarily as much as it is just as part of being a man, a lot of men really take providing as an important part of being right, a that man. And then the, that yeah. strain, that, the provider role strain that goes along with that. Yeah. So I think, it, as you said, it meets that, that struggle. And what does struggle look like? You know, on the streets, you know, in the community, you know, in the programs that you have, what does struggle look like? I mean, just let's just say Roxbury. So it's one of those areas where there's, there's actually a couple of universities in the area. So you see men that, and we work, so we do both. We work with men and, and younger, younger boys too. So on the younger side, most likely like that finished high school, not in college, that's the area where where I meet a lot of the guys at. So kind of at that 18 to 25 age range. Right, coming from the hood. Yeah, it's, right. that's right. frustration, honestly. It's, Maybe your father's not there. Yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of frustration. I mean, you see, I think we said, we, the word toxic masculinity right. comes up. Not necessarily on that huge level, but it's a lot of more microaggressions. Right, towards we, each other. Towards each other. Right, right. That Unemployment. Yeah, I right. mean... It's the thing where it's just it's being tired because people will tell you, you know, if you look at the economy in Boston, they'll, they'll show you all the numbers. They'll show you all the statistics and say, you know, unemployment rates are as lowest as they've ever been. But that only accounts for the men that are actually Employed. continuing to look for right. work. Exactly. And going exactly. to the places, the men that we're talking about when we, when we say that area, these are men that have already looking for other areas. They're not they're not going to the. Unemployment center. They're not. They're not on. They're, they're not indeed. looking for that. No. Right. They're not on. <laughs> they're not on indeed. Not at all. So. Right. That's that struggle, and yeah. it's interesting. In New Orleans, we have the unemployment rates have come down, but we're still at forty-five percent of the African American male population is unemployed, which is unacceptable. Yeah. Uh, and so struggle. That's what struggle. Struggle looks like, you know, at 3 o'clock on a, a a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon in the heat of the day, you're sitting on the neutral ground. That's struggle. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So moving away, and I thank you, you know, for hearing about what your Making Connection sites are actually doing. Kevin, I just want to come back just for a moment with you. Talk more about what the bike shop does for the men in your community. Cool. Well, sorry, bike shop, it's, it's no longer a bike shop. Okay. Um, it is a bike program um, because shops have correlation with finances and money and all that. So we're not trying to do wealth in terms of monetary but wealth in terms of what is the vai vai which is in hawaiian is abundance 
So what are the abundance in your community? The bike program that I run is called K-Vibe, or that we run is called K-Vibe with the help with Prevention Institute and Movember Foundation. It's called Kalihi Valley Instructional Bicycle Exchange, where we provide a safe space for young men and boys to um, practice what we believe is community health or community wealth where we sit around in a space like this in a circle and we call that culture circles. And in these culture circles, we just state every, every day, every time the program is running, we do three names, which is name, home, ancestor. And we do 12 hours of sweat equity in order for the youth to earn a bike. Right, what's, um, sweat, what's sweat equity? So sweat equity to us, we believe that it's not about the sweeping of the shop or breaking down and stripping of the bikes or building the bikes, but the equity is basically the work that is done to do your social biography. And social biography, um, the definition for what we use social biography is pretty much what is your story. And we break down social biography as the social context of my life and my life as a transformer of this social context. Okay. Meaning, in Kalihi, the social context of Kalihi is high, high immigrant, low income. So we have two of the biggest public housing units in Kalihi Valley. What we're trying to say is just because you're young, it doesn't mean you are dumb. And just because you are poor, it doesn't mean you are stupid. Because we do have a lot of abundance in, in, in our communities. Right. So how is the bike program being used to kind of thwart and offset the toxic or hypermasculinity that may happen because of the context in which the young brothers are actually developing and are coming up in. Mm. So they're able to reframe their stories and then bring in the non-toxic masculinity framework and say that, yo, there's a reason why we are the way we are. It's not because we are poor. It is not because we are stupid but it is because of a certain structure or system that allowed us to be in this situation our pedagogy consists of four pillars and it's to identify these four pillars separately in order for us to bring out your social biography right these four pillars are your political story your economical story your social story and your historical story so the context of all four creates your social biography and allowing them to understand or, or try to touch upon that will reframe or re-see the stories that they, or their own narratives. Because we believe that there's assumptions, there's forged narratives of at-risk kids. Right. So we're no longer trying to say, yo, we are public housing kids, we're at risk, but really we're more... Um, Just people. People, we're, we're right. at-promised youth. Right, I exactly. And by doing that and by having the bike program and by using historical methods, tradition, right? The traditional narrative. You're having these opportunities to then get back to what we would think well-being is, right? Yes. Overcoming the potential barriers that may be put in place uh, and using the ancestry in those traditions to build self-esteem, to build a collaboration, to build tradition that uplifts men. Is that what I heard? Yes, correct. W wonderful, wonderful. Let's move this space, because remember we're talking about well-being uh, and mental health. And there's a wonderful thing when men come together, right, in space. What does that look like for your sites when men come together? And then I want you to talk about what's so special about it in space. What does it look like? What is the program? What is there? And why is it special? Tomas. 
Yeah, this this was kind of kind of weird because um, the way that we understand masculinities is outside of just men, right? Mm-hmm. And especially our site, it has a, a huge LGBTQ, uh, transgender, and, right. and gender nonconforming mm-hmm. right. population. I'm glad so, that you brought that up. Thank um, you. For that reason, um, we've had to be very like explicit in the way that we work, and so. We're incorporating a lot of best practices into the actual meeting spaces that we have. So we have like partner meetings, for example, and a lot of the assumptions and the basic agreements that include honoring gender mm-hmm. are within the agenda of the meeting that we have. And then in the introductions for one one of the social meetings where we're supposed to build relationships with each other in order to help do that, we do a rosebud thorn introduction, right? Uh, which is similar to this uh, this idea of like getting away from just attendance, but you get to talk about what's blooming in your life, what's going really well, and then also um, maybe something that's a thorn that's uh, that you're having trouble with, and that allows different members in the audience to kind of connect. And I think that that's bleeding into the work that the youth programs are doing. So like the male involvement program, the All My Relations project that work more specifically with youth are able to use that kind of, I guess it's a Structure. it's a, a circle, like some people call it council, mm-hmm. some people call it a peace circle, some people call it a talking circle. Right. But we really find value in providing a space where people feel like they're actually heard and that people feel like that they're being listened to right. and that they are able to talk about things that you know might be difficult to talk about. I think there's there's work like we're seeing it pop up in different places under different names, but that's the revolution that we're we're looking for, right? Is these different masculinity circles that are happening and emerging um, out of the necessity to address healing our masculinities in ways that are a bit more profound than maybe just like saying, oh, there's a problem. Right. One thing I want to touch on, Tomas, as you said, and it was very very important in the beginning, is that. We're talking about masculinities, right, and involving LGBTQ populations when we talk when we talk about because men are coming in with various masculinities, and we have to be able to make sure that we are inclusive. How do you ensure, you know, as I say, as men show up and be able to be who they are in space, that everyone feels ready and accepted and you know received that I. No matter who I am, I can walk into your space and feel comfortable. Is there anything else that you all do to make sure that everyone feels that this is my space? Yeah, well, a lot of that is is being intentional. Mm -hmm. And so we're very intentional in who we're inviting into this space. And we make sure that we're having one-on-one meetings with folks before even bringing them into that space. And so that discussion around membership of who gets to be part of the coalition work to do this healing work and, and kind of evaluating each other about how we're performing, I think is becoming a more structured way. And so in the coming year, I, I believe that for the coalition that I work with, it's going to be a lot more succinct right. um, as it moves towards community ownership instead of uh, a health department project. Right, exactly. And I think that is a critical conversation that everyone needs to have. How are we showing up for everyone, uh, particularly heterosexual, cisgender men, have privilege? But we also may be the harbingers of much of the pain that other populations experience. How do we then make sure that we show up? Because that increases everyone's mental health and well-being. You know, understanding how our privilege actually creates spaces that are not equitable, that are not Mm -hmm. inclusive. And having those conversations, I think, Thomas, are very, very critical. 
Yusuf, you know, what's so special about your space? You know, if I walk in, what's gonna make it special for me? I know you mentioned Roxbury earlier. One of the things that's specific about Boston is there's a few different communities that are pretty much attached to each other that aren't necessarily thought of. So we work specifically in those communities. So we work in Roxbury, we work in Mattapan, we work in Dorchester. And kind of to give you a, the population breakdown of it, uh, Mattapan, 97% um, people of color in that community, but mixed up between immigrant populations, um, Haitian Creole, Caribbean, Jamaican, all of the different islands, African, African-American, Roxbury, majority African-American, um, same as Dorchester. Dorchester kind of has more of the variety when we're coming to all of those different communities, but the main thing that we do, um, so our what we, we call our network in Boston, the male engagement network, but we always make sure that that's our focus, but we're also not exclusionary. So all of the events that we do are open to, they're open to the community. So when people show up, we embrace who comes, and we're always mindful of that when we think about messaging, when we think about the events that we do. Can always, you give me an example of an event? Like, I want to I wanna okay. feel, you know, I want to okay. I, I okay. feel like, you know, I'm going to, I, I, I'm in town, Okay. Right? So And you say, Dr. Corporal, <laughs> come in, we want to see it. I, I want to know what makes it special. I can go from the most recent things. So last Saturday that just passed, we had a men's health summit. So one of our partners is a local health center in that Roxbury area. It's an annual event. Um, it's the Whittier Street Men's Health Summit. They make sure that it's open to men, but also different, different people come. So different as far as gender, as far as age, population, a variety of different people come. And the beginning part of what we did there is started off with a brunch. And really just during the brunch, more focus on conversation, checking in. Like there were health screenings there for outside of the space when we were not focused on the conversation, checking blood pressure, checking stress, checking sugar levels, things like that. But the focus was really just to have men in a space coming together. We um, The second Saturday of every month, one of our partners is here, hosts a breakfast where a lot of, so you're going to hear food a lot, right? right. That's going to be a recurring. And, and that brings people together. <laughs> yes, it does. It's going to be a recurring thing for us. So it's a multi-generational space where there's men from the ages of 70s to the age of six that are there. And the most recent one, are this, the mayor of the city came in. It was just heard about it and felt like it was something that was important enough for him to want to come and hear about. So we'll right. have a theme where we talk about what's going on. And he just sat down at the table and just jumped in, had conversation with what we were talking about. It actually was about representation. Right. It sounds, and, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds amazing, you know, particularly when it comes to uh, the health and food brings people together. Yeah, uh, a lot of food, uh, um, basketball tournaments, right. um, hikes. We need yeah. to make sure that we provide opportunities for men to be in space, for men to laugh, for men to love, for men to be able to be comfortable with hugging each other, saying hello. And, being open and vulnerable. It sounds like you all have spaces like that that allow men to be who they are and make those special moments. Um, we have been doing in New Orleans a healthy masculinity group. And one of the most special times, what made it special for us, you know, one of the brothers, uh, we have a council at the end of our sessions every, uh, every Tuesday night. And he was just dealing with some issues with his ex-fiance. And we were able to show up for him. We were able to give him counsel. We were able to provide our expertise 
too often we as men don't have people to go to to open up mm -hmm. and building that trust and acceptability and accountability is something that we all need and in that space we were able to help that brother through that time mm -hmm. and i think that's what makes spaces special when you can just be who you are our time is running short gentlemen a couple more things that i'd like to ask you as we think about making connections and to promote and encourage men to find and embrace practices that promote mental health and well-being Part of that is offering alternatives to traditional masculinity, playing football, playing basketball, playing sports, talking about women. Can you think of an activity or activities in your, at your site that is an alternative to what we see as traditional masculinity, that men are like, wow, I love doing this. You know, when I think about, okay. Okay. I think about artists, I, you know, and one of the answers uh, in, uh, as we were doing this a few minutes ago was uh, ceramics. You know, and, and to think about, and when he said ceramics, I thought about Ghost, you know, the movie Ghost. I, I may be dating myself, you all too young for that. Craig may know. Uh, ghost and, you know, um, creating clay. What are some things you think about, Kevin and Tomas, that may be alternative, something out of the ordinary, you know, that is an alternative to what we think are traditional masculine activities? Mm. So we, we host community dinners, same as Yusuf, but it's our youth that are doing the cooking. It's our young men and, and their fathers serving the community. Okay. So we, right. we bring in the community. We do community dinners. And it's really cute how these kids <laughs> will be serving. And usually that's a female or the feminine energy that does the cooking and all of that. Or at least how have we've been socialized that right, that's the feminine right. energy. So that's some stuff that we also do. Uh, we do a lot of planting, a lot of the Aina work, Aina is land. But other alternative methods is crying. Um, we cry. <laughs> put, it, put it out there. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we cry together. Some of, some of the stories or social biographies, mm -hmm. I have this one young man who, at 12 years old, he was able to, to we did a session where we said, uh, what are your oppression and what is your liberation? And then he said, my oppression is not having, um, not having a good night's sleep, and my liberation is having fresh bed sheets and a pillow. So for him to say uh, and to go deeper into the emotions, that's interesting, yes. Um, and and uh, that's a twelve-year-old youth that's articulate enough to say, "Yo, there's something wrong with this." Right, mm -hmm. there's something wrong with that. Doing that work early on, and we talk about upstream approaches here at making connections, making sure that our young boys mm -hmm. have the opportunity to see positive gendered masculinity at work to being able to say you know what i can express what my oppression is and then i can hopefully work or have the support and resources to get fresh sheets and a pillow right, right. and it may be down the road you know we take that take that for granted tomas i want you to think about this because we're about to close and each of you all to think about this you've got your crystal ball 10 years from now the work that you're doing at your sites you know, you have a chance to go back and look at your legacy. What do you want the men in your community to look like based on your work? Healthy. Um, one of the things that we're investing towards is to actually have a reentry support system for a lot of people that are coming out of incarcerated places, right. mm -hmm. but not only like prisons. We have a detention center that's like right next door, and we have some youth detention facilities. And so we're looking at creating an infrastructure, a social solidarity economy that's able to hold those people from being sucked back into the different places that they've been institutionalized. 
And so the way that some of that looks like is at the Urban Farm Network, we actually are piloting this year. It's not funded by Movember, but we're piloting a uh, reentry program that teaches people that are coming back into the community from the community to be farmers, right? right? So 10 years from now. And in the next year, we are investing towards teaching some of those same folks leadership skills so that they can do administrative work for nonprofits, right? Right. And so in 10 years from now, the idea is that we'll have different little pockets of worker cooperatives that are able to sustain each other and build a, a local social solidarity economy that's thriving within our region. Right, and we know that when, when we can have that collaborative together, people are happier. So when we have those three basic needs, right, right. food, shelter, and economies, mm-hmm. I mean, though the world is our limit, and right. that's that's what we're working towards. Exactly. You think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the opportunity to get to self-actualization. Kevin, 10 years from now, I'm on vacation. Mm. I'm coming to see you. We're hanging out, right? How old will you be? I will be 30X years old. 30X years old. All right, I'm coming to see you. And um, I'm saying, you know, let's look at the legacy of your work. And you say, boom, this is what it looks like. Mm. You know, um, I'm always in the trenches, so I'm not even thinking that far. But for my, my own vision and what I would like to see is for, for the world to, to always have temporary amnesty, where every space means um, we're giving amnesty. So every community, when you're a man on the table and there's a woman on the space, the women are giving you amnesty because of the male privileges, right? If you are a white male in a space with colored folks, the colored folks is giving the white male <coughs> amnesty, right? So I think 10 years from now, if we can give temporary amnesty, then the dialogue of what is wrong or what is right in our community will be able to flourish. And I believe um, 10 years from now, what I would like to see is the young men stepping up and addressing what, what's creating the toxic masculinity, what's creating the inequity, what's creating the the social structures that we are in right now and addressing how do we, I guess, attack the structure rather than prevent what we're doing. Because if we do the upstream approach, we believe that we can not fix the system, but heal the system. Right, exactly. Thank you. Yusuf, we're running out of time, brother. Okay, I'm short and sweet. There you go. So um, just to break it really down, um, we want 10 years, healthy man with a healthy partner, be able to have a healthy child that's the foundation within that to be able to still have property within the city which is becoming a struggle so whether it's the choice of home ownership or renting to be able to still physically i want to see these same men of color living in the city with their families being able to be fully functional and income to be able to have that secured to a place where it's not causing any internal issues within family, with externally with other men in the community. Um, that would that would be my my goal. Right. Thank you. What I would like to see is a world embraced by love, mm. and that men and women and people can love each other. That we can go out and find joy and peace uh, and love and space without having to worry about words, right, and war. Uh, and barriers that hamper our ability to have the well-being that we need to achieve all that we want in this world. I'm very thankful for you all joining me today. 
Uh, I'm thankful for the Prevention Institute. I'm thankful for the Movember Foundation and all the work that they're doing across the world to really enhance uh, the lives of men. Thank you for the commentary. Again, this has been a special episode of the What's a Revolution show. This show is geared toward giving men the information they need to embrace the healthiest versions of yourself. I thank you for your time today. I wish you well and success in everything you do on your sites. You're doing amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank you also. Right. Bless up. Thank you.